Welcome to Ghostly. Hey, Rebecca, how have you been? I've been good, Pat. How about you? Oh, I've been wonderful. I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about C2E2 to start everything off. Oh, absolutely. It was so much fun. Yeah, so we went to C2E2 and we had a great time. It was exhausting, but it was a great time. Oh, yeah. Long weekend, but oh, I've never been anything like that before. It was really fantastic. Yeah, I've been there, but I've never been able to be a spectator, really, like like we were. Oh, you be, you were working it? I was working, working on the coal mines. Yeah. <laughs> it was so nice to be able to get to know some of our listeners. Uh, that was wonderful. And uh, we learned that some of our listeners have made Ghostly a game. Yes. Yeah, they listen to the episode and have a friend listen to the episode, and then they have their own debate about it, and then they use this to help them vote in the polls. Yeah, I had not. I don't know why I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, obviously, we debate the ghost stories, yeah. but yeah, it's much more fun than to be able to go debate it yourself, right, yeah. after listening to the episode. So yeah, definitely... Yeah. I think that's a an added layer. Yeah, I th- I thought it was a great idea, and, and it made things so much more fun for them mm-hmm. and for us. Yeah, and we gave out a lot of stuff. Uh, special thanks again to Dead on Paper. Everyone loved their coins and card sets, and they won by being the first person each day to say Dead on Paper to us at C two E two. It was a bit of a competition. It was. Yeah. I mean, especially Saturday and Sunday, because those were the busier days. Like there yeah. was a a lot of pressure people messaging us yeah you know yeah it was it was almost like a like a scavenger hunt of <laughs> sorts you know yeah it was super fun this month has been a wild ride for us at ghostly and we have a ton more listeners we grew a lot over the last episode and we want to welcome our new listeners to the show and we hope that you're enjoying it and let us know if there's any episodes that you'd like us to do and we could add it to our ever-growing uh, list that we have. <laughs> yeah, we can't promise that we'll do every episode that gets suggested, but we do add them to a list and we'll try to get to as many as we can. There's just so many great stories out there. There is, and we have a kind of a plan going forward uh, until at least July. So, um, yeah. yeah, and then when July comes, there might be some other ideas. But we, we have some great episodes in store for you guys. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you hit that subscribe button. Right, and then remember to grab your friend's phone and yes. put Ghostly on it. Yeah. So that that or your partners, you know, whoever, and or uh, your partner's friends, or your partner's friends, or your and, friend's partners, and then have a party. Talk about Ghostly. Yeah, have <laughs> then, a Ghostly party. <laughs> Just don't all listen to it together because then we don't get as many downloads. <laughs> <laughs> we want to keep the downloads going up. There you go. So uh, we should probably look at the polls for the curse of the omen. No, I don't want to look at the polls. No, I think you need to do the polls. Fine. (laughs) All right. So the question was, uh, was the omen cursed? What did they say? So we had 40% say that, yes, it probably was. And 60% say, no, it most likely was not. Wow. Yeah, I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. Disappointed again. Well, you know, at C2E2, I met a lot of team skeptic. Mm. I don't know how many team believers you met. But I met a lot of team believers. A lot of team in the middle, though. Yeah. Too, which is okay. Like that's 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 good. You should yeah. be. You should listen and sometimes believe. Maybe sometimes you don't. That that's that's great. Well, I have a couple things to note from our Curse of the Omen episode. 
Uh, it has been brought to my attention that the girl that was in My Girl, can you can you say her name? Oh, Anna Klumsky. Klumsky. Yeah, that's a that's an unusual last name to say. Uh, Anna Klumsky is not in fact dead. I told you. <laughs> she is actually in a show that I really love on HBO called Veep. And it's in their last season. It's coming out soon. And it's a great show. Um, I, yeah, I don't know why I didn't just realize that that was her. Well, you know, her char- her character in the movie died. And yeah. so then she wasn't in the sequel. But the actress is okay. Yeah, I still don't get why they called it My Girl 2 then. Well, it's just, otherwise they wouldn't have known it was a sequel. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember the movie that well. I There was a connection. I don't. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, also a brand new listener, Whitney Danielle Roden, brought up that there's another omen in the series that we did not talk about, and that was the omen four. And this is about Damien's daughter. Oh, okay. I don't think I've seen that one. I have not seen that one either. Okay. But so. she tells me it's spooky. Okay. Well, I'll have to add it to you my know, we, list. Yeah, we both kind of decided that these movies might not necessarily um, be okay you know, transforming to this time period. But Mm. uh, there's been so much technology that's come out in the last 10, 15, 20 years that it makes these movies kind of seem silly almost. Sometimes. Sometimes. There's There's not many 70s horror movies that actually hold up to the test of time. Mm. Well, we'll see. I, I, I'm pretty, I, to me, The Exorcist is still pretty, still pretty good, and, and so is The Omen. Yeah. Well, anyways, if you have anything to say about one of our episodes, we'd love to hear about it, except for Nick Mataragas. Uh, we're getting tired of hearing from you about this stuff. Uh, you're getting tired. Because <laughs> it's always about me. <laughs> so, um... I think we should jump right into the history section. Yeah. Well, let's tell them what the episode's about. Well, that's part of the history section. Okay. Well, this is going to be this is going to be a fantastic episode. This is going to be epic. Yeah. I don't use that word often, but this is going to be epic. This is going to be legend. Wait for it. Dairy. <laughs> the only thing is, though, I just hope we tell it straight. I don't, this is going to be tricky. It's just a lot, lot to get through. It's tricky to rock a rhyme. <laughs> Uh, last right. episode, the history section was a little light. I do have to say, uh, there was not much history going into filming a movie, so it was it was a little bit hard. This episode, it's gonna the history section is gonna be a lot longer, like probably um, at least a third of the entire podcast is gonna be the history section. Um, because it's a huge story, we are talking about the Winchester Mystery House. I, I think that most people probably have heard of the Winchester Mystery House. Yeah, well, there was a movie with Helen Mirren that came out a few years ago, which I have 2018, seen. actually. Oh, yeah. I wanted to see... Ooh, that might show up in a, a, a movie that I list that I might have to, to watch, I think. So you're going to add it to your list. I'm going to add it to my list is what I'm saying. You know, weird I, way that you said that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Sorry, I was thinking <laughs> ahead, but I, I, I okay. really want to watch it. So. so to truly appreciate this story... We need to take a deep dive into Sarah Winchester, and to do that, we'll need to peek into the history of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company as well. As always, I want to do my time perspective, and just to give you guys an idea of the time period of of when this story kind of starts, it starts in many different times, actually, because... Um, 
Winchester became a company in the 1860s. So uh, I'm going to start with that time perspective. And I'm going to say that Abraham Lincoln became president in 1860. And the Civil War was between 1861 and 1865. Uh, you know, that was, I mean, that kind of gives me an idea of, of when this all happened. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that. well, obviously, I always think that the Civil War was actually a lot longer ago than it was. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's just over 100 years. Yeah. It's not that long. No, it's really not. It's really not. Yeah. Uh, the Winchester House, also known as the Winchester Mystery House or the Winchester Mansion or some combination of those words, um, is located in beautiful San Jose, California. Uh, you've been to San Jose, right? I have. I used to go out there for work all the time. And yeah. I'm so sad because I would drive by the the house and I'd always say to myself, yeah, you know, someday after work, you should go over there and take a tour. And then I just never got around to it. Never. No, it's it's almost like the house didn't want me to visit. Ooh. <laughs> well, Sarah, Sarah Winchester once lived there. And this is the focus of the story. She was the widow of William Wirt Winchester, or Triple W for you wrestling fans. <laughs> Rebecca knows nothing about wrestling, no, so I'm able to no say wrestling idea. jokes all day long. Uh, they were originally from New Haven, Connecticut, though. Winchester made its name by making quality rifles. Oliver Fisher Winchester was a businessman. He was originally in the men's shirts business. And actually, from what I'm seeing, they were pretty successful in that. That's a big switch. It is. Uh, he saw that he could make a lot more money by making rifles. And with some help of some investors, Oliver Winchester bought the Volcanic Repeating Arms Company in 1857. So he took his time coming up with his first model rifle that was released on May 22nd, 1866. Do you know what it was called? No. The Model 1866. Very clever. Yeah, they're pretty simple in their naming, yeah. <laughs> uh, at this time, he changed the name of the company to the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. He wanted to put his name on it. Winchester couldn't be more right about this business, as more and more states were being opened for settlement in the U.S. because of the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad in 1869. Rifles were in high demand at this time. In 1873, Winchester released its newest model. Do you know what that one was called? No. The 1873. Uh, now, wait, There's wait. There's a pattern. I just want to wait. So was the rifle used in the Civil War? Because you started with the Civil War. No, it was not. That's just to figure out what time okay. period this was. Okay, I gotcha. I no. thought it was. No, it was not. Oh, okay. That's what I thought, too. I, I thought that the story had a lot to do with people that died in the Civil War, oh, but it in was not. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it came out, came out after that. Okay. But the um, volcanic um, whatever repeating arms company, there were rifles made from them. They were, they were pretty popular. Okay. Yeah. So um, the 1873 model, Winchester, would be one of the best-selling rifles of all times. Even Buffalo Bill, Theodore Roosevelt, and Billy the Kid used the Model 1873 Winchester rifle. Wow. Yeah, right? Those are all very popular people. They're all names I've heard of. Yes. <laughs> and um, spoiler alert, they're all dead. Oh, yeah. darn. I always sorry. wanted to meet Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. You can't. In 1880, Oliver Winchester died at the ripe old age, at least for the times, of 70 years old. 
he left the Winchester Repeating Arms Company to his only son, William. William died one year later of tuberculosis at the age of 43. So Sarah, which became Sarah Winchester, was never an ordinary child. Growing up, she was seen as a child prodigy. She was beautiful and very intelligent. She could speak Latin, French, Spanish, and Italian by the age of 12. I could barely speak English (laughs) at my age of... (laughs) She was dubbed the Bella of of New Haven. The the Belle of New Haven. The Belle. Why is there an E at the end then? It's French. I don't know. (laughs) William and Sarah's lives were intertwined at a very young age. Sarah was good friends with William's sister, Annie. Also, their family both attended the same church, uh, the New Haven's First Baptist Church. Also, they both attended college at, at different arms of Yale College, which later became Yale University. Wow. I didn't realize they knew each other for so long. They did, yeah. yes. So yes. Is, is all this going to help us understand the house, though? Yes. Okay. It will. Okay. I, li- I mean, I like the history. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> William and Sarah were married on September 30th, 1862, and gave birth to Annie. Annie, unfortunately, died 40 days after being born due to a form of malnutrition because her body was not able to metabolize proteins. Well, that's sad. Yeah. When William died, 50% of the Winchester stock was given to Sarah, which amounted to around $1,000 a day. Today, this would be around $26,000 a day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, right? Wow. Ghostly's going to make that much at I some point. I think I yeah. could handle it. <laughs> she also received an inheritance of over $20 million, which in today's standards would be four, uh, Excuse me, $532 million. Wow. She was one of the wealthiest women in the world at this time. Wow. But she had lost her husband and her daughter. Yes. So that's where this is going to help us understand the house. Aha. So she had all of this money. All of this money. Sarah was obviously very distraught and decided to get away from everything. She ended up going on a world tour, mostly to Europe, and little is known of this time in her life. Some people have speculated that Sarah went to France to join a co-ed Freemason chapter. As many indications have speculated her interest in her life with the Masonic uh, symbology. Whoa. Yeah. This has been backed up by one of her good friends, Ralph Rambo. Hmm. He drew first blood. Oh, okay. (laughs) Some would say that at this time, Sarah sought the advice of the then-famous Boston medium, Adam Coons. In 1884, she purchased an unfinished eight-room farmhouse in the then Santa Clara Valley, which is now San Jose. But there still is a Santa Clara. Yeah. But now that area is San Jose, the part that she bought the house in. Yeah. She began building her mansion. Carpenters were hired. I I think she had actually 20 carpenters carpenters Mm -hmm. that were hired uh, and worked at the house day and night. They took shifts. She didn't use an architect, uh, just added to the house in a haphazard fashion. She had her own ideas of what she wanted, and uh, she would just tell them right before they would finish one project what the next project was going to be. The home contains numerous oddities, such as doors and stairs that lead to nowhere, windows that looked out into other rooms, 
even staircases that go up only to go down mm-hmm. and staircases that lead to nowhere. Mm-hmm. The house is predominantly made of redwood as Sarah preferred this material, although she hated the way wood actually looked. So she had the builders apply stains and approximately 20,500 gallons of paint. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of paint. Yeah. There are estimates that there is 161 rooms, including 40 bedrooms, which Sarah never slept in the same room for more than one night in a row. I uh, mean, that is, she didn't have to. That is speculation, by the way. Mm. We'll get into that. Mm. Uh, it also has two ballrooms. Uh, one was completed and one was left unfinished. 47 fireplaces. That's wow. a lot of fireplaces. It is. But a lot of them aren't usable, right? No. Some of the fireplaces lead to nothing. Mm-hmm. They don't actually go out, as we're going to talk about with the chimneys. Yeah. Over 10,000 panes of glass. And Sarah used a lot of Tiffany glass, a lot of Tiffany stained glass during mm-hmm. this, one of which cost $25,000 in those days. Unbelievable. Yeah. There was only 17 chimneys, though. So out of those 47 fireplaces, there's only 17 chimneys and two basements and three and three elevators. As far as the bathrooms go, there were many, but only one working toilet <laughs> in the whole place. Wow. I don't know if that's totally true, but that's something I found and wanted to put in the notes okay. here. Adding further to the mysterious features, the prime number 7, 11, and 13 are repeatedly displayed in various ways throughout the house, the number 13 being the most prominent. Yes, there's 13 sink drains, various sets of 13 wall hooks installed throughout the home. Now, I found 13 bathrooms. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, her will was written in 13 sections and signed 13 times. I'm going to talk about that, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, the, it, it is mm-hmm. every. There is a lot of 13s throughout the house. Yeah. Uh, the hall, the house also featured steam and forced air heating and push-button gas lights. Oh, that sounds nice. So the button itself was electric mm. and would ignite the gas light. The house itself was built using a floating foundation that is believed to have saved it from the two major earthquakes that reduced the house from seven stories to four stories. So these 161 rooms that I'm talking about... When it was seven stories, there was probably closer to 500 rooms. Wow. Yeah. At one time, the property expanded 162 acres, but now rest on the bare minimum space for such a large house, which is 4.5 acres. Mm. It's still pretty big. Sarah died at the age of 82 on September 30th, 1922, of heart failure in her sleep. If you remember me saying September 30th already, it's because this would have been her 60th wedding anniversary wow. on the day. Aww. She was buried next to her husband and infant child in the Evergreen Cemetery located in New Haven, Connecticut. She left a will that was written in 13 sections and signed 13 times, like you said. There you go. She left all of her possessions besides the house to her niece and personal secretary, Marion Marriott. Marion took all that she wanted and sold the rest. It supposedly took six trucks working eight hours, uh, eight hours a day, six weeks to remove all of the furniture. That's, that's how much furniture there was. That's crazy. Sarah did not, however, mention the mansion in her will. 
Appraisers at the time considered the house to be worthless when she passed away due to damages caused by the earthquake of 1906. It was sold at an auction to a local investor for over $135,000, which nowadays, if you buy a house for $135 in the California area, that is probably a piece of junk. (laughs) Oh, $135,000. I don't think you could buy a postage stamp. Yeah, right. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. not in that area. So, I mean, but, you know, you have to remember that was back in then. It was probably closer to like a million dollars. A little before Silicon Valley is what you're saying. Oh, yeah, Yeah. definitely. Uh, That investor leased the house to John and Mame Brown, who eventually purchased the house. They opened the house to the public five months after Sarah died. Mame was the first tour guide of the Winchester house. Now, there's some people that saw what the value of this house could be. Well, I would probably say that it was uh, Sarah's intentions. Oh. We'll get into that later. Okay. Today, the house is owned by Winchester Investments, which is a private company that represents the the descendants of the Brown family. Rooms are still being discovered to this day. Wow. In 2016, it was announced that a new room was found. It's an attic space that contains a pump organ, Victorian couch, a sewing machine, and various paintings. Bet you those paintings are worth some money. Mm. Sarah also owned a houseboat that was kept on the San Francisco Bay, which became known as Sarah's Ark, as it was rumored to be kept there as an insurance against her fear of a second great flood. The Ark was destroyed in a fire in 1929. Now, I did not read about the Ark, but I did also uh, read that she also owned a ranch. She bought it for her um, brother and sister, I believe. Yeah, she would go stay there, though, sometimes. Yeah, and it was called, like, the Winchester Ranch or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So, do you have anything else to add? Well, we talked about a lot of different things. I just wanted to bring up maybe just some creepy things about the house itself that aren't necessarily like the ghost story, yeah. but kind of creepy thing. So we talked about the 13 obviously being everywhere, um, but also that the house, as you mentioned, was built in this really chaotic way that she had multiple master bedrooms, slept in different ones. You mentioned that. Um, and this this chaos, we can, we can talk about why that is. I think there's a couple different theories. So I was going to talk about one now, but I, I'm going to wait till we, we get to our, our ghosty stuff. Um, the uh, I just had some quotes that I thought were interesting. So one mover told American Weekly that the Winchester house was a place where downstairs leads neither to the cellar nor upstairs to the roof. Yeah. <laughs> That's just hmm. crazy. Um, there is... Um, okay, so there's two unique areas. There's three adjoining rooms that are known as the Hall of Fires because they contain seven sources of heat, four fireplaces and three hot air registers. And the 711 staircase from the bedroom of Mrs. Winchester's niece and secretary, Marion Marriott, um, that access three levels of the house. So it's like, like I don't know if you saw this, uh, if you've seen pictures of this or seen this, but if you go down the first seven steps and back up the next 11 on the other side, you're still technically on the second floor, but you're three feet higher than when you started. 
But if you go down those first seven steps again, make a right turn and go down six more, making 13 stairs, you'd find yourself on the first floor. It's like just, I don't know. Like it just seems very chaotic and lots of weird ups and downs. Well, I was there. I was there in 2004. Okay. And um, I actually did those stairs. Yeah. So what was that like? We talked about it. It was wild. It's a, it, it really tricks your mind. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense when you're doing it because they all look to be around the same size, but they're not. Mm. Some would say that this was made by a crazy woman, <laughs> but some would say that this was made by a genius. Yeah, this is and the we're going to get into this. This is the question. I oh, like. I you think th- I have the answer for that. I think I do too. I think mine's more right. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Should we just get into the ghost story? Yeah, let's get into the ghost story. I've, I'm sorry. I know I probably said a lot of wows during the history, but I, hopefully I'm mirroring everyone's reaction because there's just so many crazy things about this house. It is a phenomenal house. Uh, I do have to say, though, when I walked into the house in 2004, uh, I felt an energy. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that it was like a, like a spiritual energy. It was just that that this was that this conducted energy. And the only other place that I felt that in the world was Stonehenge. Mm. It had a very similar feeling to that. Making you a believer, slowly Mm. but surely. That was 2004. (laughs) (laughs) So 15 years have have passed. All right. All right. Well, let's let's hear some ghost stories, right? Okay. So as we often do with these stories, let's try to imagine ourselves in... Sarah's situation, right? So you're a woman who has lost the two people closest to you in a short amount of time, your baby and your husband. It's popular among your friends to consult spiritualists. So you decide to visit a medium in the hopes of maybe, just maybe, having the opportunity to speak with your loved one or just know that they're okay. But what this medium tells you is that you married into a cursed family and their deaths are retribution for all the deaths the family has caused. Oh, and also he tells you that you're next and that the only way you can stop the curse from killing you is to build, to build a house for the spirits that haunt the family and that the second you stop building, you'll die. What would you do? I'd, a, I'd build an ark. It's a hard question to ask. Yeah. Or answer, I should say. Yeah. yeah it's really not hard to ask. No, it's hard to think. Well, it's hard to ask, but it's it's <laughs> really hard to answer. Right? So over the years, um, you know, Sarah just kept building. She never stopped. Um, even after the earthquake, she felt that it was because of the spirit's anger. She walled off a bunch of rooms uh, and just kept building. She did not want to stop. Um, Over the years, people have reported seeing spirits, feeling cold spots, seeing strange lights, doorknobs turning by themselves, and many psychics have visited the house and claimed to have felt or talked to spirits. So you ready to dive into some specific claims? Uh, I will be in a second. I say maybe we should take a break Oh, yeah. It might be a good idea for a break. Yeah. We're about a half hour into this already. Okay. All right. And we have more to come. Yes. See you on the other side. 
We've been getting all kinds of fantastic reactions for the all-new, all-original sketch comedy podcast, Mr. Wiggly's Moist and Happy Friendship Garden. What? Say what now? Fabulous. New episodes drop the fourth Monday of every month, and the hilarious original mix of music and comedy is designed to scrub out your ears in a good way. It's the worst possible scenario. I must have it. Here on the DVMPE. Hey, Rebecca, guess what? What's that? Well, you know how we want Ghostly to not only tell and debate great stories, but also to give back to those in need? We do. Yeah, well, I've discovered this new app called PodCoin that lets you donate to charities with a currency you earn just for listening to our podcast or any podcast. That's awesome. Yeah. On PodCoin, you earn their digital currency, PodCoin, just for listening to podcasts. That sounds easy. It is. You can then donate your PodCoin to charities who will get real money donations. And you can also choose to save your PodCoin over time and exchange it for other rewards like Amazon and Starbucks. That's great. Who doesn't like Starbucks? Um... I hope no one. Yeah. Because I love Starbucks. Yeah, they'll give you um, gift cards right cool. there. And you could donate those gift cards too. You could, yeah. So download PodCoin in the App Store or in Google Play and use our special code GHOSTLY to receive 300 PodCoins just for checking it out. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Now let's get into the debate. All right. Well, before we begin, I have a lot to debate about the ghost story itself, but I will save that for the end of the debate. Okay. So we're, yes. Okay. So this is going to, we're going to focus on some of the specific stories that people have told. Okay. So not even, not really Sarah's stories. They're really more the people that work. Yes. At the place right now. Yes. Okay. So the, the probably the most popular ghost story is Clyde the Wheelbarrow Ghost. Okay. <laughs> so several tour guides, as well as Jacob Williams, who uh, works in marketing for Winchester, claim that they have seen a man by the basement pushing a wheelbarrow to the coal chute. So they claim that he's pretty friendly. One tour guide says he always tips his hat um, William says he's a gentle guy. He walks up and down what's known as Steam Alley and carries a wheelbarrow full of coal, goes to the boiler, or goes back down the alley. And if he does make eye contact with you, he just kind of nods and goes about his business, or he leans up against a wall and he just hangs out. Um, by the way, they don't really know that his name was Clyde. <laughs> they just <laughs> kind of named him that just to have a name. Uh, he looks like a Clyde. I, I guess. Um, and some believe he's a former landscaper, though. I don't really know why they think that if he's moving coal, but maybe. Okay. So this is going to be my debate for a couple of your things, too, actually. Um, <laughs> so the Winchester House, it started to open up tours. And it wasn't enough just to say that the house was weird, which it is. It is very weird. It's um, very much not what we're accustomed to. There's reasoning for that, though, and I'll talk about that at a later time. But the tour guides were told at one point just to make up whatever they wanted to. And the crazier the story, the better. 
they were actually told this. So this being a marketing guy, it markets to the audience of the paranormal that was really big and still is big out in California in San Jose. Um, there's a lot of believers of, uh, of the paranormal out there. So your team believers are strong out there. Now, there are no pictures of Clyde and very little testimonial of his existence that I found. And I think it's just made up. That's all. I think it's made up. All right. Well, I think that there's a lot of people that have told the story and I, you know, there's a lot of people that they lived there. They lived at that house, all those workers. It wasn't like, I mean, they were there. I mean, maybe they didn't actually sleep there, but they were, you know, there for many, many years. And it, it would, it would make sense to me that some of their energy might still be there. Okay. Um, it makes sense, I guess, that their energy would be there, but I just, I don't believe that this is, this is anything. <laughs> I, I don't believe that that's anything. All right. Well, let me tell you another story. Oh, okay. You want right. to move on? Yes. Okay. So, so now this was a tour guide. She was on uh, a Reddit AMA a few years ago, and she actually posted her picture with like her tour guide badge and everything. Mm -hmm. So we know this was a real tour guide. She, you know, revealed herself. Um, and she told a story because, of course, people asked her, yeah. you know, have this anything ever happened to you? Um, so she said, the creepiest moment I've had in the house once uh, when I was leading a tour, there was this one door that kept opening and closing. I knew that it wasn't the fan because it was pointing away from the door and it wasn't moving. I knew there wasn't anyone on the other side of the door because we don't often send people into that part of the house to clean. And that's always on a Wednesday. And this was a Tuesday. It couldn't have been just a breeze because the door led to another part of the house that was inside and there were no open windows in the rooms on either side of the door. Still don't know what it was. Also, to add to the creepiness, the room was on the other side of the same door. Sorry, was on the other side of the door that was the same room that Mrs. Winchester passed away in. Okay. Um, so the house is designed in such a way that it is, it's very much, it feels like it has no rhyme or reason to it. Uh, there are windows that lead to other rooms. There are doors that open to nothing. Like in, like in cartoons, when you see someone run towards a door, they open the door and there's a brick wall there. Or they open the door and they fall two stories. Mm -hmm. That that's how this house is designed. I think that they took that from the Winchester house. Um, so it's very possible that there could be a breeze from some other part of of the house's construction. This isn't made like a normal house where there would be windows on one side and doors on the other side. There could be something else entirely, and it could have to do with the with the structure of the house itself that caused this. But I would like to say also, too, that Sarah was very, very secretive person. Uh, little is known of her actual life. Um, I've, heard, I've heard some speculation about her life, but little is actually known. Uh, we can deduct a lot of things from, from the house itself and from some of the people that she knew at the time, but little was known of, of Sarah. So these stories, when I say that they're made up by the tour guides, it's because they, they didn't have anything to really say about it. Just that, yeah, look at this. Isn't this weird? 
So they had to fill in with stories. This is just one of those stories. Well, I will say she it, she often gives tours. This doesn't normally happen in this room, she said, and that the door was not swinging fast like you would expect if there was a breeze. I mean, it. As she said, it, it definitely looked purposeful. She said she's never had anything else creepy. She didn't back up any of the other ghost stories, but that this happened and that it was really creepy and she could not find an explanation for it that she tried. I'm just saying it could be the structure of the house. The wind blew it just the right the right um direction which it actually picked up and, and it could have it could have put it down a chute like an air <laughs> vent chute that she wasn't aware of. It could be a lot of things. A ghost is not my first thought when I mm. think of this. All right. Well, let's keep going then. All right. We've got uh, going back to Williams again. Um, so he told uh, Vulture Magazine that he was standing on the front porch with his back toward the gardens when he felt a firm tap on his shoulder. He turned around and found no one was there, but insists he felt a full-on finger pressing. It was like a pressure point on my shoulder, pressing on my shoulder. It was crazy. Uh, he also heard his name whispered down hallways and says tour guides who spend the most time in the house frequently hear theirs whispered as well. Mm. Well, the Winchester Mystery House makes a good amount of money based on ghost stories. That's purely what they, that's their business. Their, their business is ghost stories. It is not surprising that the head of marketing would have some ghoulish story to tell. The other portion of the money that they receive is because of people thinking that Sarah was crazy. And I'm not sure how much I believe that she was crazy. I think she was more calculated and misinformed. But I do not think that she was crazy. I, I, I don't believe that there was actually somebody, you know, a ghost poking him or whatever. I, I think that... This house, the way that it's situated, it, um, well, I'll get into that later. I don't believe that this is true. I, <laughs> I, I think this is nonsense. And I think that anytime you put the term marketing in something, I believe that its goal is to make money. All right. Well, few more. All right. Many have also felt their hair being brushed while they were walking alone. Uh, one guide even tripped down a stair and felt pressure on her arm uh, and a voice audibly asked, are you okay? No one else was around, but the guide says she felt a continued presence as she collected herself and walked away. Well, that was very polite of the ghost if there was a ghost right. there. Again, these are very nice ghosts Yeah, they're house. very, very nice ones. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think that people go into this wanting to believe that there is something. As I've said in previous episodes, if you go into something wanting a certain result, you are more likely to achieve that result. Almost like you don't want to feel ripped off, like the P.T. Barnum thing, <laughs> you know, where it's like, hey, you just got ripped off, but don't tell the world because they need to get ripped off too. Uh, so you allow yourself to be highly suggestive at this time. Also, environmental psychologists have theorized that the odd layout of the house itself contributes to the feeling of the house being haunted today. Well, I think that this was something I was going to say earlier, that odd um, layout of the house was built that way to confuse the spirits and keep them trapped in the house. I am going to argue that. Okay. Yeah. 
and I will do that at the end of the debate. <laughs> okay. All right. So I just have one more. Okay. Okay. So I mentioned uh, that there's uh, mediums have gone to the house and psychic. So I just thought I'd mention just one story. I'm picking some specific stories, but please know these are just a, a brief selection of stories. There are many more. So uh, clairvoyant and spiritual medium James Van Prague uh, visited the house and conducted a seance in the grand ballroom. Uh, declared He declared that Sarah is happy that people are still enjoying her home, but he also picked up on her sadness, in particular that uh, the sadness associated with the loss of her infant daughter, which obviously would make sense. Yeah, it was really... It was really sad that her daughter died uh, forty days when she was forty days old. It was it was really sad, and I know that Sarah probably probably felt this throughout her whole life. Uh, she, I do not believe she had any other children. Actually, I'm positive she no, did not have any other not. children. Um, so that has to really really be something emotional for somebody. But I do believe that Sarah would be very happy to know that her house was being visited even today. She designed this house to be a puzzle that would inspire people to become enlightened. Hmm. Sarah viewed her visitors to be potential initiates of the Freemasonry. I know you think this that this is, is funny. This is where we're going to have some discussion. I know you think that that's kind of funny, but um, yeah. In fact, if we look at her infant daughter's obituary... We see evidence of this. She was really into numerology. Let me tell you that. Her name on the uh, obituary was Winchester, comma, and in all caps, Annie Pardee. Annie Pardee is, uh, in numerology, is better than Annie Winchester for her. So let me... Are are you done with all the rest of the yeah, debate? Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm done with the stories, yeah. I'm not done with the debate, but I'm done with the stories. Okay, yes, yes. <laughs> so, I may be a skeptic today, but I wasn't always a skeptic. I was in search of some deeper meaning for life when I was younger, after my father passed away, much like Sarah was. I got into a lot of different things, and I'm not ashamed of these things. They have made me the person that I am today. I enjoyed then, and still do today, studying different religions. Uh, I am really into watching documentaries about stuff, reading books about different religions. I, I'm, I'm almost to the point where it's an obsession. I, I get joy out of doing this. And I did a lot of studies of different and somewhat non-conventional forms of Christianity. Then I studied some much more older pagan religions. I even dabbled in the occult. I actually ran an online community and website that searched for answers in these areas. It was called Halls of Avalon. In fact, I bought the domain name back, hallsofavalon.com, and if you type that into the URL, it'll take you to Ghostly. Ah, that's good. I mean, we don't have to be like worried about you, do we? With the, <laughs> like, the occult and stuff? Uh, no. Okay. Just, just so checking. what I see from the research that I've done on Sarah and the Winchester house is that she too went down the same paths that I did. Only she never stopped going down these paths, whereas they led me to question more and become a skeptic. Sarah was a firm believer, if not a member of the Freemasons, and was since an early age. The people that she grew up with, especially the Bacon family, 
and not Kevin Bacon. Francis Bacon. Yeah, we're talking much older, uh, are very familiar names to those that have studied these things. She believes strongly in numerology, which is apparent in the Winchester house. She designed the house to be a labyrinth. Did I say that right? Labyrinth? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some of it was even modeled after the Temple of Solomon. Have you ever heard of the Temple of Solomon? Uh, like the Key of Solomon? Tell us. Well, it's... I mean, I know what it is, but <laughs> maybe our listeners might not know exactly what it is. It is a temple that's one, one of its rooms actually housed the uh, Ark of the Covenant, so they say. Um, it was built by King Solomon, and it has a very, very dark history as well. Um, if you want to do some research on that, look up the Keys of Solomon. There's a lot of evidence that points to this particular numerology and Temple of Solomon kind of thing going on there. As she had calculated out what her name was in numerology and her belated husband and even her infant daughter. I believe that she she was obsessed with this to a degree. Even her love of Shakespeare points to her beliefs in the occult. Uh, I can't... I can't get into this too much because I am no longer a believer, so I wouldn't be speaking from a believer's point of view on this. I am a skeptic. But if you want to learn more about this, there's a great website that talks all about it called thetruthaboutsarahwinchester.com. So I visited the Winchester house in 2004, and I was so blinded by the stories of of her being paranoid by ghosts that I didn't even realize what was actually going on there. And now that I do know this, now that I've done a deep dive into Sarah Winchester and the Winchester house, I am able to see a little bit clearly, or a little bit more clearly now, the clues that she left behind. Do you mind if I read something from the truth about sarahwinchester.com? No, that'd be interesting. All right, so let's start with the allegations about Sarah and Adam Coons, the medium in Boston that she supposedly spoke with. There is no record or evidence that Miss Winchester Mrs. Winchester, ever met the man, nor is there any evidence to support the idea that she was a spiritualist or had any inclination to believe in communications with the deceased. Moreover, there is absolutely no factual basis to support the idea that Sarah ever used the so-called seance room for the purposes of conducting seances. Her closest companion and nurse of many years, Henrietta Severs, firmly denied that Mrs. Winchester had any super, or excuse me, had any spiritualist leanings. And finally, if Mrs. Winchester truly believed she was cursed by the Winchester fortune, why would she exasperate the matter by continuing to own vast shares of stock in the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, then later acquire still greater controlling shares that she maintained and profited from for the rest of her life? So also... Um, there was speculation about some other dimension that she was trying to um, enter into. Well, this dimension is not like what we think. When we think of other dimensions, we think of something that isn't here. This is something that's here. It's just something that we, we don't like look at. We don't see. We choose not to. It's like negative space. It's, the, it's a geometrical idea of, of dimensions. But it's very much a part of this world, and it's very actual, real. It's just not something that we focus on. 
it's not dimensions like some other world where there's ghostly things there or anything. So (laughs) this may sound really strange after all of this, but given that Sarah was influenced by Solomon's temple and that she had a boat that she named the Ark, I believe that Sarah actually believed she could house the Ark of the Covenant. Her room was modeled after the Holy of Holies, which was the room that housed the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is a sacred Freemason artifact that some believe the Knights Templar found during the Crusades, and it was believed to hold the essence of God. And as I said, I do not hold these beliefs now, but I have such a deeper understanding of who Sarah Winchester was after doing this research she was very much like me, actually. Wow, that's a. I feel like we've um, we've done like a like a flip, sort of almost of our yeah. <laughs> believer skeptic roles. No, I'm not saying that I believe in any of those things. I'm saying that this is where she was, and this is what she believed in. She had her own religion and her own way of life that I believe she didn't want people to necessarily easily know. She wanted them to figure it out. And I believe that she thought she would be cast aside socially if if she outright said this was her beliefs. And I don't think that the right people to her would have would have stumbled upon it then. Mm. So I just think that she just had a different religion. I don't believe in that religion anymore, but I can speak of it because yeah. I've done a lot of research in it and because I used to I used to believe in a lot of those things. Mm. Used to. Yes. Okay. So I did a lot of research for this episode as well. And I think that what it comes down to with Sarah's story goes back to something that you said, which is we don't know. We don't know. All of us are speculating. We, she was very quiet uh, about her life to the public. She really didn't talk to people um, very often. She didn't have people over. It was all about building this house. Um, and we, you know, I don't know that she did really share that with everyone. Um, it's clear to me that she was into numerology. That seemed that there's a lot of evidence, it seems, for that for, for her totally. whole life. Her totally. whole life. But that doesn't necessarily have to lead to Freemasonry. You know, they 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 are connected, but they you can be into numerology and think that's cool as a musician, as a person and a mathematician in the world without necessarily going that extra step. Well for me. There is an abundance of evidence that that supports this theory. That well, okay. So let me let me start off by saying this: is that this episode is about the Winchester House, mm-hmm. and it, it's about is it is it haunted? Are there spirits there? And the reason why I'm going down this path is because I am showing that no, Sarah did not make this house and build this house to what it is because she was afraid that ghosts were going to come and haunt her. I mean, how does that even make sense that the ghosts are going to keep on haunting you until there's silence in the house? It doesn't it doesn't make sense. I mean, she was a very analytical person. 
It, I mean, it speaks volumes that she spoke four languages at the age of 12, that she was a a prodigy musician, that she was just an amazing intellectual person, that she would not look at this in a logical sense. Well, to me, that's a so that's kind of saying that the the Freemasonry part is logical, that this other dimension, even though, you know, you're saying that it's not a physical dimension, but honestly, that is a lot of the the argument that there's this, that there's the Ark of the Covenant exists, that she's built an, uh, an ark because she thinks the second flood is coming. So she's not just a logical person. I mean, whether we think, and she kept building 24 hours a day, every day for her whole life. And I think we can absolutely debate if she did it because she thought ghosts were going to attack her if she didn't. But well, that's what we are debating. Or we can say that she did it because of wanting to pull people in um, to a religion. But I've only found one website that made that argument. There's just yeah, that one site. There is just that one website that I have found. But knowing who she knew in her childhood knowing what she knew it's to me i can't unsee that i can't unknow that information um you'd have to study the same things that i studied not to say that you know you're not capable of uh, of understanding this i think you're very capable of understanding this but i i'm going to say that you would have to have gone down this path to understand exactly why this is this is tremendous evidence that supports that no she did not do it because of her belief in ghost which she might have believed in but she did it because she had a plan she was obsessed this was her hobby this was she she had so much money i mean $20,000 a day and a half a billion dollars <laughs> to fall back on she had enough money to be able to spend this this amount 20 times over i mean she 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 had no no offspring to give the money to the only one that was going to get it was her niece i believe that she wanted to send a message and wanted to be remembered forever mm. well i do think one just really cool thing that i i will just want to mention this is kind of an aside and then i think we can maybe wrap up our debates but um there's a, a painting that I actually have always really liked, mm -hmm. Relativity by M.C. Escher, Escher which is Hammer? a, a <laughs> Dutch MC Hammer? artist. No. Well, you can't touch it. <laughs> Anyways, any if you want to, go check it out because I think it gives kind of that feeling of her house, this idea of these, it's like the staircases that go in a circle yes. and it's that that dimensional piece of it. And, uh, and I, I do think that part is interesting, but I don't necessarily... Um, agree that that was her driving force. So it's easier for you to believe that she was obsessed with paranoia of ghosts than it is for you to believe that she had some calculated plan that she wanted to send people on a puzzle. Because, yeah. Well, here's the thing. So back when, during this time, spirituality, the occult... Um, going to a medium, totally normal. 
totally accepted socially for people to do that. That was a common thing for people for class, especially. Um, it was, it was, it wouldn't have been unusual for someone to believe in those things. And again, add some money to that, add the deaths of her child and her husband and her father-in-law. Um, and these, you know, and Clyde. And Clyde and all the... I think Clyde is what really sent her over, though. (laughs) Well, the idea that, you know, I mean, something spurred her on to to build this house. And the reality is no one has... I don't know that we've seen any kind of, like, growth of Freemasonry from the house. Like, I don't know that, like, there's no ceremonies that happen there. There's no people that go in there studying it in that way. Um, I mean, it's just, it, it is a really interesting house and there are a lot of people that have gone in there and, and experienced um, things that they, they feel they can't explain. It, it isn't as an extreme a haunted house as I would say other stories that we hear as far as haunted houses go. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's plenty of people that go there and they just say, yeah, it was a really cool house. I, I liked it was just interesting. Well, I mean, when was the last time you saw a billboard for free Freemasonry? <laughs> Never. When was the last time you saw a television ad for Freemasonry? <laughs> when was the last time you heard a radio spot? It, n- Never. Yeah, exactly. Um, they don't advertise. Mm. They don't, and the way that they, the way that they can get people to to join is is to start them off somehow. They start them off by having things that are weird and cool to them. You know, like you go to um, you go to a chapel and you're like, wow, look at the construction of this. And I love the, you know, the number structure of this and stuff, how, how it all relates to everything. And then you find out it's Freemasonry and you're like, oh, maybe I want to try that. Maybe I want to, you know, Get into that. So I'm just saying that it's possible. Okay. Um, but you know what? Maybe we should just get into our closing. Yeah, argument. let's wrap this up. It's up to the people to decide. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to agree to disagree. <laughs> All right, so I'm going first. As you a, are going okay. first, and right. I have set my phone to one minute. You have one minute. I will not interrupt you. I will not debate anything that you say in that one minute. I have my own closing argument written out already. Okay. And I will be given one I'm going off too. the cuff today, people, so I don't know what's going to happen. Uh-oh. All right. Well, you have one minute, and it starts now. I think the Winchester House is an amazing piece of architecture, if nothing else. But it's architecture that doesn't make sense. There doesn't there isn't a logic to it. And I do think part of that is the earthquakes that have happened, but you know, it, you know she just closed things off and, and started building again. And I, 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 to me, it's a mark of a woman obsessed. And maybe some of the stories as far as why she was obsessed or what's going on, we could debate. But I do think she was someone um, who was haunted by her past and where she got her money from. And I think that the stories that people tell are based on real experiences. And I think it would be uh, bad to not believe that all these people over all of these years are just making it up for money because most of them aren't making extra money from the stories that they tell. All right. That was exactly one minute. Yeah. 
<laughs> Good job. Thanks. Uh, you know, one thing I would like to say before my closing argument, though, uh-huh. if, if I may, uh-huh. is if you keep going down this rabbit hole of believing in ghosts, you might become Sarah Winchester. <laughs> I don't have $20,000 a day, so I think, <laughs> I think we're good. Well, that's because Ghostly hasn't taken off yet. <laughs> All right. Are I you... mean, we haven't made a cent yet. No. But... We no, will. We, we've definitely not made any money. No, no. <laughs> All right, I am ready to go. All right, and go. Sarah Winchester Mystery House is a well-placed code in a world that forgot how to decode it. Even in her day, people would have to have studied the same thing that she did to decipher its meaning. She had an almost unlimited supply of money and a very different viewpoint than the people of her day and even today. This was a passion for her and she took it to great lengths. I do not believe she was mentally ill or paranoid of ghosts haunting her from the sale of the Winchester rifles. I think she had a different religion than the average person of the day and hid clues as to what that was. Even in her day, people made fun of her for the Winchester house. They believed she was crazy, and she may have actually wanted them to believe that. To believe in the occult in those days would have been at the very least socially ruined her, and at the worst, might have been a death sentence to her. I do not believe she was crazy because of her beliefs. She was just different. Damn, there you go. You just made it. All right. All right. That was, we went crazy today. I mean, yeah. seriously, that like took twists and turns. You brought up like a, okay, not a ghost thing, but like a paranormally kind of occulty thing. And then we had to debate yeah. that. Like, I don't know what happened. Yeah, well, people are going to find out a lot about us. <laughs> All right. So I think that's about it, right? Do you have anything to add before we... I just wanted to add a, a little bit more about C2E2 because it really was so much fun. We had such a good time seeing all the amazing cosplay. I mean, these people, I don't know, next year I might have to try something. Uh, and seeing uh, celebrities at panels. Yeah, the one cosplay I th- I'd like to mention is I saw David Hickney. Oh! <gasps> Freak of the week. Wow. Was he cosplaying? Well, he was wearing a disguise. Oh, that's true. He was because he doesn't like people to see the real him. That's true. Uh, Okay. So we met, we met a lot of celebrities too. um, But the best part was meeting fellow Chicago area podcasters. Um, It's really such a great supportive community and we are so grateful to be a part of it. Uh, Rob Southgate is a loyal ghostly listener and host of This Week in Geek. And he organized a really fantastic meetup for all of us podcasters. And so we are just so grateful for his support and the support of all the other podcasters. Um, We also met uh, Toys Were Us, which is a a pretty fun podcast that we met and we were out and about on the floor uh, with uh, Nick from Freak of the Week. He knows David Hickney. He's the producer. He's the producer, so it's, yeah, it's pretty, you don't ever see him at the same time. He's definitely not the same person. No. No, No. definitely not. (laughs) Both of these podcasts are very much for adults, so our younger listeners can't really try those ones out, Um, but they are super fun to listen to. Um, Toys for Us is Rick and Brian having geeky retro toy fun, and Freak of the Week explores stories that seem almost real. Oh, tell them about my favorite one. Oh, the... Bob After Dark? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. We have to give a shout out to Bob Anderson from Bob After Dark. He does this weekly radio show slash podcast slash video stream where he explores folklore and legends in an informative, fun way. He did, I watched him this week, and he was talking about the 
the Puko or something. It was like this weird the poo Puko. Puko. It's like a creature. I don't. He oh. this week this month he spent exploring uh, uh, exploring fey creatures like fairies and gnomes and oh, stuff yeah. like that. And was I don't know what he's going to explore next, but I'm sure it will be fun. I hope hopefully no more poo. Puka. Oh, Puka. Okay. Yeah. Pukachu? No. <laughs> Pikachu? <laughs> Don't make fun. It was fun. <laughs> okay. Yes, okay. absolutely. <laughs> and I w- just would like to say that our next episode will be coming out on April 17th. Mm-hmm. And do you remember what it's going to be about? Edgar Allan Poe? Yes. Yes. Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. I, I'm... I have a a degree in literature, so uh, Poe is very close to my heart, and um, I'm really excited for this yes. episode. And I didn't realize th- how many places his ghost haunts, so it's really? going to be interesting. Well, it haunts my soul every time I read one. So, <laughs> Well, that was Ghostly. Thank you guys for listening. Please hit the subscribe button. Tell your friends. Rate and review us. Do all those things that all the other podcasts ask you to do that you don't do for them. Do it for us. <laughs> oh, and be sure to go on our website and vote on the polls. This is going to be crazy oh, this, is this gonna week. Be, oh, my God. Get out there, I don't even people. know what the poll is going to look like. I don't like. even know yet. There's going to be, I don't know. All right. Well, <laughs> we will talk to you soon. Bye. Stay ghostly. Bye.